Welcome to the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical look back at pop culture. Join us as we revisit movies, cartoons, and live action TV of the 80s and 90s and ask the question... Does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? My name is Megan. And I'm Steve. And today we are going to talk about the A-Team the live action TV show of the 1980s, which I think most people remember for two things, The Van and Mr. T. That's true. So if you haven't joined us before, we have a cycle where we watch a cartoon one week and then a live action TV show the next week and then a movie the following week. But we interrupted that cycle last week to bring you a bonus episode for Easter on Superbook. So before that, we watched Alvin and the Chipmunks. Now we're talking about the A-Team. And next week, we had a fan request for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So that's going to be our movie, not from the 80s, but still part of our childhoods. Yes. So. A little bit earlier than the 80s. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, so today we're still in April, though. And for Easter, we had uh, a number of Easter treats that we had not tried since we were kids. And we're continuing with that theme today. So, so our snack review today is the Cadbury Egg. Um, I'm sure everyone remembers the Cadbury egg from their childhood. They're still t out today. You can easily buy Cadbury eggs at pretty much any store or convenience store that you go to. And so uh, we've actually got three different kinds of Cadbury eggs yeah, here. So the Cadbury egg, it's an interesting story. Cadbury was actually established in 1824. And they started by doing drinking chocolate, which is what they called hot chocolate back then. Oh, okay. And then they wanted to do moldable chocolate. Um, as they were playing around with hot cocoa recipes, they discovered this. So you take the, the first... I'm going for the regular Cadbury. The regular. Just the normal, original Cadbury egg. Yeah. Um, so they merged with another company and they started doing these cream filled eggs, which is basically fondant. Steve was making a face about the fondant. And they had those in the early 1900s. And then in um, the current form was introduced in 1963. It was Fry's Cream Eggs, the company that they had merged with in England. And then in 1971, it became Cadbury cream eggs. All right, not a huge fan of the regular Cad Cadbury cream egg flavor. Really, really, really sugary sweet. The fondant. The fondant or cream or whatever it is in it. And I'm just, it's too much, I think. It's a little too much for me. And I feel like I felt the same way as a kid. One of my brothers really, really likes these, but I was never, I mean, I've eaten them, but it, it's not like my favorite. That's kind of one of the controversies. When you split open the Cadbury cream egg, it's white with a little bit of like yellow orange. So it does, it does look kind of like the middle of an egg, right. which is kind of the fun part of it. Um, in the U.S., Hershey's puts out the Cadbury cream egg. Mm -hmm. And in the U.K., it's the Cadbury company. And they've said that the U.S. version is sweeter, which I don't doubt having tasted this. One time when I was a kid, my mom used to make these cookies that had... Um, sweetened condensed milk mm -hmm. and i loved them and i was like oh if i like those cookies maybe i'll just like just eating sweetened condensed milk <laughs> so i took a can and i cracked it open and i took a spoonful and that's what this is like yes. <laughs> that unfortunate incident it's a little much yeah i mean i remember crabberry cream eggs not only oh. because it was a big piece for during easter and things like that but also i remember the commercials right they had the rabbit that mm -hmm. did the buck 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 right mm -hmm. that did like the 
the chicken sounds, and then they would move them into other... Sometimes they'd have a lion with rabbit ears on, and they just had all sorts of different stuff. So that's the thing that apparently they weren't really that popular in the 70s. And because of that campaign, they became more popular in the 80s. So the caramel eggs were actually launched in 94, and then the chocolate were launched in 99. But have you ever had a chocolate one? I just had it, and it's phenomenal. Is it? Yeah, I like the chocolate cream egg way more than the normal cream egg. I have to get a drink of water because the cream egg is still... It's like coating my tongue. It's so sweet. So yeah, the chocolate cream egg is really... It has, it's like almost fudgy in the inside. Yeah, it didn't it's spill not out. As, it's, it doesn't spill out. It, we cut one in half and it cuts pretty cleanly. And it's almost like brownie fudge almost. So yeah, so I'm gonna, I'll am i try the caramel as well. The caramel, from looking at it, the caramel cream egg really spills. Like it basically looks like they just made a chocolate egg and filled it with liquid caramel. Okay, these are gluten-free, so now I can eat it. <laughs> I put it in my well, mouth and late. I held it. You had it in your mouth already. <laughs> Um, oh, the chocolate is good. Yeah, right? I like the chocolate one quite a bit. It's more like a truffle. Let's, let's That's something of the original mm. that I always I always felt like the chocolate I liked, but I didn't like the inside. Okay, so I'm going to try the caramel one now. All right, try the caramel. It's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely has the caramel taste to it. It's not as overpowering. Neither the chocolate or the caramel is overpowering as the original. Mm. I really like the caramel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good. So I guess the newer versions to me, I prefer. I would like the chocolate cream eggs and I would like the caramel cream eggs. I still am not a huge fan of the... It's just, it's surprising that the original would be sweeter than the chocolate and caramel. But it is. It's fondant. It's like a liquidy fondant. And you know, one of the variations of this, they sell just the fondant in like a tube. Oh God, why? why? I don't know why why you would do that to someone. They also had, for a while, they had a white chocolate one in New Zealand. I can't imagine that with white chocolate. It would be even worse. Yeah, because the white chocolate's not going to be, not, not going to have as much taste as the yeah. chocolate. So um, They have a berry version and a mint version at different times, but I don't know. I would know. try the berry version. I'm yeah. not a huge mint fan, but I know you're not either. I can't have mint. But, yeah, but the chocolate and the caramel weren't bad. So, this is the tough part, Oh, though. wait, wait. Before we go to our review, I just want to say... That ad campaign you were talking about, Mm -hmm. they ran two ad campaigns, which is kind of unusual, but something that Geico picked up on, like Geico will run like three ad campaigns at the same time. And the one was How Do You Eat Your Cadbury Egg, where they had like historical figures eating the like cartoon versions. I remember that. And that became a little bit popular, but then when they had the one that you talked about where... The animals. The the bunny is so cute, and it's clucking. Yes. It's so adorable. Um, So yeah, a fun Easter treat. This is the difficult part, rating it. The difficult part. Okay, Mm. out of five mohawks. (laughs) Okay. For Mr. T. If you again, if you haven't joined us before, we do one out of five for the snack, one out of ten for the sh- for the show. For the show, movie. so five Mohawks for Mr. T. So, w- are we grading the original Cadbury egg? We have to or grade the original. No, because the other two didn't come till later. Okay, so grading the original Cadbury egg, I'm going to give it a two out of five. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's not inedible, but it's it's, it's not close. Like right now, I, if there was another one in front of me, I wouldn't want to eat it right now. I've had enough just from that half. Five out of five for the caramel and the chocolate. Yeah, but we weren't grading those. But we weren't grading those. We're grading the original Cadbury egg. Okay, so we're going to wait for the sting. That's a little sound effect. 
five mohawks. Two out of five mohawks. For the Cadbury cream egg. That's the original. We both agree, though. Five out of five for the newer ones. I highly recommend, if you see these in the store, you're thinking about getting them for your kids for their Easter baskets, gravitate toward the chocolate and the caramel. Go toward the chocolate and the caramel. They don't need the regular one. But yes, two out of five Mohawks for Mr. T. Or as Mr. T would say, I pity the fool who eats Cadbury egg. (laughs) There we go. There we go. All right, so what we're going to do now that we've had our little nostalgic snack review, we're going to talk about the A-Team. So, Steve, can you give us just an overview of the show as a whole? And then later when we get into the episodes, we'll, we'll give a summary of each episode. Sure, yeah. So the, the overview of the show really is the fact that it's about four military people. They're men who are part of a military covert operations group. At the time when this was written in in a show, it was actually from Vietnam, Mm. right? Because Vietnam Mm -hmm. had just ended in the 70s, and so now we pick up with the show in the 80s. They had been part of a covert operations group who were framed for a crime they didn't commit. They were put in jail, they broke out, and now they're on the run. But, of course, they didn't do a crime, and they're good guys. So they use their covert military skills to help people. They're basically, I guess what you'd call mercenaries, like they help people for hire, but sometimes they help people and don't take money. Like, it depends on what people have, right? Yeah. If people have the money to hire them, they do it, but a lot of times they end up helping people that don't really have much either. It reminded me of the show Leverage. Like, sometimes they take money, but if the people really need their help and they don't have money, they're not taking money. I mean, this is early 80s. I feel like this... This theme set up a number of shows. Yeah. You have Leverage, right? In the in the 90s, you had The Pretender, where he had a certain set of skills because he was a genius. Forgot about The and Pretender. And so he would pretend to be different people, and he would help people out. Yeah. Right? You always have this system of a person or a team that are doing, basically, you know, selflessly helping others, basically. And that's kind of what's happening here. And so you have four people on the team. You have Hannibal, who is a colonel, and he's the leader, and he kind of makes the plan. You have Face who Mm -hmm. is um, military intelligence, and Mm -hmm. he's kind of like, I mean, as it says, face man, he's kind of the face of the group. He's the guy that, he does, like, disguises, he goes in undercover a lot, things of that nature. And he flirts with all the ladies. He flirts with all the ladies. Because he's got the face. He's a ladies' man. Yeah. Right? You have B.A. Baracus, who's Mr. T, famously, who many people think of as the muscle, but actually, Mr. T was, his character of B.A. was like motor pool. He was like a mechanic. Okay. And he could build a lot of things, which they often did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he basically, like, seems intimidating or threatening because of his size and muscles, but he very rarely is violent. He yeah. actually is not, that's not, like, what he's about. Yeah. And then you have Murdoch. Who is a crazy? Who's crazy, right? <laughs> but he's a, he's a very established pilot. He can fly helicopters. He can fly planes. And yes, he's a little bit insane. They actually, I think, broke him out of a mental institution at one point. But he's got a good heart, and he he's always for the team, basically. And so that's the whole premise: is they're just go moving around as they're running from the military and the in the law and helping people along the way. Yeah, so it it was on for five seasons, 98 episodes, so basically enough to be in syndication. Yes. From 83 to 87, and then the reboot film in 2010, and then they had a sequel planned for 2012, but they canceled it based on how the reboot film did. Now, we watched the reboot film, and we'll talk about it a little bit toward the end, but that's not, like, obviously our focus today. But... 
The A team is the, the term for the team that advances first, the alpha team, sometimes supported by the Bravo team, and they can also refer to a small special forces units. That's mm-hmm. basically where they get their name from. But Steve talked about the crime they didn't commit, and essentially this comes out that there was a covert mission to rob the Bank of Hanoi of gold bullion. Um, with the intent of helping to end the Vietnam War. So they they succeeded, but when they came back, their commanding officer had been murdered in a traitorous double cross and his headquarters were burned. So there was no there was no proof that they had robbed this bank on his mission. orders. Right. And apparently there there's some question as to whether or not they were also framed for his murder mm-hmm. as well. So that's the crime they didn't commit where they were sent to the military prison. Almost every episode features like gunfires, missiles, explosions, but usually people don't get hurt. There are sometimes implied deaths on screen. But, no, you know, Mr. T talked about this with the movie. He was not happy with it because mm-hmm. he was like, there's explosions, but there's not actual violence. Yeah, the, That's in, the interesting thing it. about the show was that the actual violence that was in the show, you never see anyone get shot. The A-team never kills anyone. And the worst you see is someone may have a limp or, yeah. like, have an arm in a sling, yes. right? But they never actually kill the bad guys. They always basically set them up to be arrested or stopped yeah. or run them off. One of the other actors was like, I had my arm like shot or hit by shrapnel like almost every episode. But it's kind of um, interesting. So some fun facts. Mr. T never actually said I pity the fool. He called people suckers and fools sometimes, but mm-hmm. he doesn't say that. He says that in Rocky 2. Uh, his jewelry so Mr. T doesn't wear this anymore but if you remember 80s T with like tons of gold chains chains, yes it weighed 35 pounds he stopped wearing it because he's a Christian and he helped out after Hurricane Katrina and he was like I can't be that ostentatious when there's like people in need Mm -hmm. Um, but 35 pounds of jewelry and and he's running with it on how much did his feather earrings weigh I don't know but we're going to get to that in the episode because these feather earrings are a little bit too much so what's interesting is that um you know, this was first a, really a show for adults, but it got it became popular with kids, and there were toys, as there are with several of these shows. Did you have the toys? I had the team van. Okay, yeah, they had the van, and then three and three quarter inch action figures. So I guess the size of GI Joe's. GI Joe's, yep. Um, Hannibal, Baracus, Face, and Murdoch, as well as a four pack of bad guys: Cobra, Viper, Python, and Rattler. And then they had vehicles. So they had a jet, a van, a a patrol boat, a Corvette, a helicopter, and then headquarters camp Mm -hmm. as well. Um, They also had books, a three-part comic book series, and also not in the U.S., but in the U.K., they novelized popular episodes. You know how they have, like, yeah. novelizations of movies? Movie, they yeah. novelized popular episodes. So I just think that that's hilarious. And they also had choose-your-own-adventure books mm-hmm. where you could pretend that you were like, should the A-team go turn to the left in the van or to the right? right? You know, like those kind of and things. And also the Mr. T cartoon. Yes, the Mr. T cartoon. But he didn't approve of the reboot movie. He said there was too much sex. He said it was too graphic for me. We ran on TV for five years without having to sex up the show. Nothing like the show we turned out every week. Um, George Papard played Hannibal. 
He's best known for Breakfast at Tiffany's and How the West Was Won. Yeah. And Hannibal is actually based on a controversial special forces soldier known for heroic efforts he made to recover lost soldiers in Vietnam. Okay. So I thought that that was kind of neat. The interesting thing about George Perpart is that he, you know, like you said, he's known for Breakfast at Tiffany's. For a number, he was an established actor by the time he did the A-Team. They did five seasons of this show, but most people know him for the A-Team. Yeah. Like, when you think George Perpar, people are like, the A-Team! Unless you're like Megan and you've never seen this show before, and then you're like, well, the I guy from Breakfast at Tiffany's! <laughs> yeah, but um, speaking of which, um, I think, and we'll get into our memories of the show in a minute, but one of the things, I, I, I'm guessing I never kind of got into this show, is because they really didn't have female characters, and... The first season, they have Amy, who we'll talk about. She was written out after she had a feud with George Papard. <laughs> but she's a reporter kind of following the exploits of the team mm-hmm. and kind of a sidekick. After that, they tried to have other female sidekicks. And then they just decided, and this is a quote, we wanted to have a masculine show in which men kissed the girls and made them cry when we wanted. And then the producer basically says some kind of sexist stuff about like men being the boss and being like god and that the, the men here with no women are basically like gods of their own story and i was like i'm not gonna quote that whole thing <laughs> but i think that it's kind of interesting that basically they were like look this is a very masculine show with guys from special forces and they shoot things and they blow things up and they're like white knights that rescue the princess but it was one of the top shows in its first three seasons then probably because of kind of repetition of storylines it started to decline Mm -hmm. season four by the end of the fifth season the network essentially just wanted it to be in syndication And so they allowed it to have a fifth season, but they didn't pay attention to it. So the finale is a two-part finale, and they showed the second half before the first half. (laughs) That's literally how much they did not care about it. So yeah, it wasn't shown in the correct order, and I think that that's kind of funny that, you know, this is what happens and why I like doing this show with you, because we have these shows that were like a huge thing. And then they kind of die out, and then everybody forgets about them. But this was in the top 20 of shows for three or four years. Yes. Yeah, so those, so those are some fun facts and a little bit of history about the A-Team. We're going to pause for our break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our memories, and then we'll get into our full recap. This podcast is supported by its creators. And listeners like you. Help keep our show ad-free by visiting our website, StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. There you can find links to our social media. And this very podcast you're currently listening to. Both Megan and I are authors, and you can find links to our books on our About page. And on our Watch With Us page, you can find videos and links for all the shows and movies we discuss on the podcast. And more importantly, links to buy the nostalgic snacks we review as well. We also post bonus content about once a month. So like, subscribe, and follow. For a small, independent podcast like ours, it really does make a difference. Thanks. And now, back to the show. All right, welcome back, everybody. Just as a reminder, in case you forgot, my name's Megan. And I'm Steve. And we're going to talk about our memories of this show. Do you have any? 
I do, yes. I don't have, you don't many. have any memories. Well, though. I didn't. I would have been pretty young for this show, and it would not have been. I don't, you know, we talked about the kind of home I grew up in. I don't think I would have been allowed to watch it. Mm-hmm. My mom likes this, sh- likes this show, at least for a couple of years, probably when there were female characters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is because one thing to know about Karen Cassidy is that she likes a good caper. Uh-huh. She loves stories where it's like a team mm-hmm. coming together to help people or to do something, you know. So like Mission Impossible, she also, right. li- like, she did not like the movie because it's about, like, one guy doing right. everything as opposed to the team. Um, so, yeah, I remember kind of very vaguely my mom watching this um, in, like, they had a TV in their bedroom and then she'd be like, uh, get out. <laughs> That's all she's I remember. Like, and I remember Mr. T, obviously. But he was everywhere in the 80s. So she was like, get out. And you're like, oh, man. You're like, I wonder what the adults do in there. Watch the 80s. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's it. In their air conditioner. The only room in the house that had an air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I remember Mr. T kind of because he's like this 80s icon. We talked about um, last last time he was in Alvin and the Chipmunks yep. as a cartoon character. They, I'm sure that I saw the Mr. T cartoon once or twice. They also had him do a lot of those tags for NBC of like the more you know mm-hmm. and knowing it, like G.I. Joe had knowing is yeah. half the battle. But um, And he was also on like the Got Milk posters, and they had posters. Yeah, he was everywhere. They had posters for literacy all over my libraries, my school library, and my like home library. And one of them was Mr. T, like reading a book. Right. <laughs> Another one was like the Muppets reading a mm-hmm. book. So yeah, it's just kind of funny. But talk yeah. about your memories. Well, I remember the A Team. I watched it. I was I was little, but I mean, I would have been six, you know, through ten or eleven. Yeah. And so I remember watching the show quite a bit. I mean it was one of those things you look forward to coming on. It's especially it's a little boy show, right? It's yeah. it's soldiers and they're helping, they're good guys and you know it's there's they action. Have a cool band. There's action but it's not violent. Really, mm-hmm. you know, the action, the, the violence of the action are like cars flipping over, right? Right, explosions, but no one's ever in them, which is, you know, hilarious. They'd like, they'd shoot at a car or something and they'd wait till all the bad guys ran away to blow it up, <laughs> yes. right? Um, but it, so it was good. I remember, I remember all of the characters. I remember Han- not just Mr. T, but Hannibal, Face, Murdoch. Um, and it was just, it was, it was pretty, it was a pretty cool show from what I remember. I do remember Mr. T all over the place. Yeah. I remember, of course, the black van with the red stripe, which was like their trademark, you know, um, van, which it seems to me now looking back on it, um, is probably the worst vehicle to drive when you're on the run. Yeah. Like it's very noticeable. It's, it's not like there's a lot of black vans with red stripes going down. That's true. With a spoiler on the back, right? Um, and now, granted, the 80s had a lot of conversion vans, but it was not, it's not, that's probably not the best getaway vehicle. Um, but yeah, and I remember Mr. T had cartoons. Like I said, I think there was a Mr. T cereal at one point. Yeah, there was. Um, or was he on the Wheaties box, maybe? Or did he I think have he had a separate a Mr. T cereal at one yeah, point? Yeah, like Mr. T O's oh, or something yeah. like that. And, it, it, you know, he was in Rocky or Rocky 2. Yeah. You know, I mean, he was just kind of all over the place. And so I recall that quite a bit. Um, and it, yeah, it was something, it probably wasn't like my top two or three shows, but I remember watching it quite a bit and I remember liking it when I was a kid. So it brings up pretty good memories. Yeah. Um, I, for, I forgot to mention too, that we watched these episodes on Amazon prime. 
Mm-hmm. You do have to buy them at this point in time. I'm not sure why they're not on Peacock through NBC. Um, they used to be on Tubi for free. So at the time of this recording, you have to buy the <laughs> the series or each ep- individual episode on Prime. Um, but I will definitely link that in our blog as well as, as Steve was talking, I looked up Mr. T's cereal and I got a great picture of it. And you can still buy those on eBay, so I'll link that. Um, and the Cadbury eggs, um, in case you want all the varieties available of Cadbury it, eggs. It airs on the Esquire network, and so it's kind of all over the place. They probably move their, they probably change what they yeah, offer. Yeah, they probably rotate. So th- that's what I'm saying. I'm going to link the Amazon Prime version, but it might be on Tubi for free later or for free on Peacock. So we watched a couple of episodes. The first is The Children of Jonestown. Season 1, Episode 3. Oh, I'm sorry. The Children of Jamestown. Oh, I said Jonestown. Because that's who it's based on. Oh, my goodness. Um, So, can you give us a rundown? Just a brief plot summary before we kind of get into the full thing. Um, Yeah, basically, um, this is the... It's interesting because this is the A-Team's first regular show. Yeah, we the, couldn't the find pilot it. was part we one and watch two. Watch the pilot, and so which is good. We started with like their regular, their yeah. first regular show. The A team is hired to save a girl from a cult by her like rich dad, which they do relatively early, but then they end up trying to save everyone else too as well. Yeah, so <clears throat> this is kind of uh, one of those things. It reminded me of. Um, Law and Order SVU, or they'll have like ripped from the headlines because Jonestown had only happened in 1978. Yes, I wrote that down too. This reminded me of Jonestown. Yeah. Spartanly, the cult leader Martin James, I feel like is Jim Jones. It's Jim Jones, right? If you don't know who that is, so Jim Jones moved the. He had this cult called the People's Temple. They were under pressure from the government because of some of the practices that they were doing, and they moved from California to Guyana, and. Um, a senator came to visit them. Uh, the senator was killed by them, and then he staged like a full like mass suicide where they all drank Kool Aid. Now there were a couple people who escaped, thankfully, but there were over nine hundred people who who perished. I don't want to bring down the podcast because this is mostly a comedy yes. podcast. But this is d- definitely an event that it was a huge. A huge catastrophe, and mm-hmm. it, it certainly would have been still in the minds of people in 1983. Yeah. The Martin Jones, Martin James, the, who's the cult leader in this show, his like goons dress as monks. Yeah, I guess so. They really want you to get the fact that it's like a religious cult. <laughs> yeah, he captures the A team when he when they're trying to kind of release other people. They get the girl away. Murdoch flies her to her dad. Then Murdoch goes back to save the A team. They're captured. They get away from the cult. They go to a farm. Of course, this is the first regular actual A-Team episode. But they go into what becomes their very famous section of the show, about three-quarters through, where they build things. Right. Right, they build. So here they build a flamethrower jeep. Mm-hmm. Um, but they always rummage around for whatever they can find, and they build some kind of weaponry or some kind of vehicles that they can fight the bad guys with. And then there's revenge time where they kind of basically they lure the bad guys under the farm, which they've booby trapped and prepared to, you know, take them down. Thank you for that summary. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the episode bit by bit. The first thing that I noticed is that 
we have a preview here now they do the same thing um in a couple weeks we'll watch murder she wrote and they do the same thing on murder she wrote where they give you a little preview of the full episode but they showed us way too almost much. the entire episode we had to fast forward because it was like what maybe three minutes yeah two and three it was minutes. way too much it was, it was showing like much. it was showing like people talking i was like this is too much and then they have this voiceover martin james has taken in youthful followers one of those is sheila rogers so that's like this like voiceover is that kind of typical i i well i don't think it was later i think right. that's so how this they is started just something yeah. how they kind of started um but they have as steve said they're showing you what these people look like so they're kind of like all the followers were in white yes right and then all the, the, the goons are in brown monk robes which i can only guess that they like they were like we should dress them all the same they're a cult and they went back into like the wardrobe department and there was you know probably leftover from some other show monk mm-hmm. ropes um we had a lot of like witty banter in the beginning hannibal is not scared of this cult leader even when they're captured there's a lot of witty banter back and forth and a lot of sarcastic remarks to the cult leader like you fill out that tunic pretty well yeah <laughs> um murdoch is playing around in the helicopter um yeah they they kind of they kind of have these like depending on how you see it kind of cheesy lines which by the way we had a lot in manimal too which was around the same Mm -hmm. time so this must have been kind of like a writing formula that we'd have a dramatic like lighten it up a little bit right with some humor so they're starting to do like basically a they're, they're con artists in a way in in the first part of this yes right and they're dressing up and um like they're in a store they're trying to get her out and they're trying to do it in a subtle way yeah you can't you can't go chases. into the cult compound so they wait for some of the cult members including her to come out to get stuff from the store like to get supplies yeah. to bring back to the cult compound and that's where they intervene and basically steal her away. And we have our first piece of big action where the monks are outside and members of the A-team attack one of the other monks inside and they both go out the window. Yes. <laughs> these two unsuspecting monks. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it's sugar glass, but it shatters in this very like dramatic fashion. That was pretty neat. It was yeah. a pretty, it was a lot, you know... They're soldiers, but we're playing with kind of like some some very masculine tropes. And it reminded me of um, Old West movies. Yeah. Like the cowboys start fighting and they go over the and they don't and they actually the they don't attack a monk inside. Hannibal and Face get in a fake fight and the That's two of them right. go through the window. Right. Yes, it's I a distraction forgot. to get all the monks yes. kind of away from the yes. kids. And then um, here's the thing that that struck me. Is that Sheila, the girl that they're rescuing, is over the moon excited to be away from this cult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, she's very happy. And again, you could kind of see, like, the campiness of this because (laughs) if this show were being done today, they would, first of all, I think they would know a little bit more about, like, Stockholm Syndrome and brainwashing and things like that. But... Also, she's been through some pretty traumatic stuff, and she's just like, oh, thank you so much. I've been trying to leave for 18 months, but they keep reading her mail. Just walk away, Sheila. Yeah. They're not. But, so that's the thing. Like, they're they're implying that they're holding her there with, 
like guns and they're they're reading the mail and things like that but it it's a lot less of like a psychological hold over them so it's kind of simplified i don't know mr t finally comes into the picture he kind of is reading his lines like they're on a book in front of him well he was his new he, he was new at it i guess he was new at um, it. He seems like a nice guy, but, but yeah, he's he, not. He, the he, most, he helps them get her away. And he's then not they, the most subtle actor. They all go back to try to help the cult, and that's when they are captured. Um, yes, the team's captured, and Murdoch, though, is in the helicopter and has to go back. Right. He's the one that he takes the girl back to her dad. Now, we never find out um, through the whole series Murdoch's first name, but you can here, I didn't get as much that Murdoch was crazy as I did from the second episode that we watched. But he kind of seems to like take on different people's personalities, right? Is that kind of like part of his part of his deal? Yes. All we know of Murdoch, we don't know his real name. The only thing that comes out is they call him Howling Mad Murdoch. <laughs> that sounds about right. They capture the rest of the A-team. Murdoch's in the sky. And Faye says, and I wrote this down exactly because this was like my highlight of this moment. Mm -hmm. He looks at one of the monks who has a huge gun and he goes, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy AR-15 will comfort me. Yes. (laughs) Again. It's so cheesy, some of this dialogue, but that one did make me laugh. And they do have Amy, the reporter with them at this point, who she gets captured too. And it's interesting because they use... The writers use Amy as almost a stand-in for us, right? Mm-hmm. She's asking the questions that you don't know about the A-team. Yeah. So you're seeing them through her eyes. So, like, they're captured, but then they get put in this barn, and you realize that they kind of were captured on purpose. Because she's like, oh my gosh, we're captured, what are we going to do? And then you see their specialties come out, mm-hmm. right? Face is like, well, you know, they don't really have a good setup. Like, you realize that when they were captured... They were all observing around them. Yeah. And BA's like, the armory's right up front, which is a bad spot for it, but it leaves it open to us. And so they've been, like, basically breaking down this whole area as they were being well, Yeah, captured. they're casing the joint, right. basically. And then they cut, they cut to over to the cult leader. Apropos of nothing, he goes, he's wearing sunglasses, and he stares off into the distance, and he says to some of his goons, I stopped dreaming. I, I used to dream. But now I stopped. And then they go back to the A-team and what yeah. they're doing. Now that comes back later, but I just was like, it's so, the editing. Oh my goodness. Then they decide. The editing is not good. Then the cult apparently decides to like execute the A-team, but like in like a hunting manner where they're going to like let them run and they're going to hunt them. So they make them take off their shoes. Yeah. But then they give them sneakers to put on. And I'm like, what? what? Like, just let them keep their shoes they're then. Ethical. They're ethical. Like, you wanted people. to make sure that they didn't sprain an ankle during the hunt? Yeah, and during the hunt and throughout all the other scenes, too, we mentioned this, but Mr. T has his 35 pounds of gold chains on. Yes. And the classic mohawk. But he also has these long feather earrings that come down, like, to about his chest. They're probably like what, maybe five inches. I would say they're like five ten, inches, ten to eleven inches. Yeah, from his ear down. From his ear down, and he's running in these, and it's not just one in each ear. He's got like multiple holes, multiple piercings. Mm-hmm. So it's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, is this just gonna be me laughing through the whole podcast? But he's running and these feathers, and I'm like, 
they those seem like a safety hazard if you're on this yeah. type of a and team. And surprisingly, he's not the one that gets hurt. Yeah. But and, what yeah, what you were saying about Amy is that they say to her, um, she's like worried and she's also like I don't know. She I put she's she seems like jealous at certain times when, when face pays attention to other girls. To other girls, yes. yeah. But they say they're she's like, Oh my god, I don't know, we're maybe we're gonna die and they're like we all gotta die, Amy. Except death. That way, we ain't got no fear. That's Mr. T. That's Mr. T. And you're like, what? Okay, Amy, you're a reporter. Just accept death. And then they steal Hannibal's boot. So that seems to be a point for him when they take his shoes. Yeah, when they make them take their shoes off and put sneakers on, they take yeah. Hannibal's boots. And he's like, I'll be back for those. <laughs> Yes. And I just didn't understand the point of making them change shoes. Like, I get if you're going to take make them take their shoes off and they got to run barefoot, because that, like, hinders them. Yeah. But to give them another pair of shoes, I don't know. why did you make them take... Unless it was that they're all the same pair of shoes, and then it made me think about that cult that all wore the Nikes and yeah. killed themselves. Yeah. Um, but that was after the They were the way 18th. later, though. Um, yeah, and then they find... Um, they, they pretty much make a bomb out of art supplies that they found. They find these art supplies, and that's how they make their bomb. So, as Steve said, that's the point where they start making something. Right, right. Yeah, they get they get away um, from the hunt group, and they end up at this local farm and who, you know, doesn't want to get involved. But they basically, like, you know, say, well, we're going to take these guys out, and they won't be in your hair anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's where they end up making this flamethrower jeep. Which is pretty cool. Um, Amy all of a sudden seems to know how to make stuff too. So I'm assuming maybe she's picked some things up along the way with well, the 18. Well, Face is flirting with the farmer's daughter. Big time, yes. Big, big time, yeah. Because Face gets hit in the head with a rifle. And of course, that's your injury. You don't see any blood. <laughs> right, no. And they just like help him. Like He has an arm around both Hannibal and... Amy, yeah. and they're carrying him in almost like he's woozy, yeah, and then he puts his head down on the farmer's daughter's lap. Yeah, and she's like, ooh la la, man yeah. is here. <laughs> yes. And Amy doesn't and want Amy any part does of that. not like it. You can see there why they wrote Amy out, because it was kind of hindering. If she gets together with one of the guys, it hinders the kind of storylines. It hinders have. chemistry with new people. And yeah, like it definitely does. So at any rate, they 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 put together the guys like, well, I've got some art supplies in my barn, and they go out and they make these things out of the art supply, and then they set them up around the cult. It's, it's not thing. art supplies, really. He's he says he's that a it's sculptor. Art I know it's he's yeah. a sculptor, but he says these With are metal. my art supplies. Right. So he has torches and metal and things like that. Yeah, that's a good point. It, as I'm saying, art supplies, people are probably picturing watercolors. Yeah, it's <laughs> no. like yeah. I've got some cotton balls in 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 you know finger paints and Elmer's glue. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So at any rate, they they pull it off. Mm-hmm. And the cult leader is basically left for the police to come and get him. And the cult leader's like, this is why I stopped dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> because things were coming to an end. And because I, he kind of, it's he almost sees the error of his ways, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah. Again, not really. Yeah, not they realistic. wrap them. Basically, they, they get them to surrender and they hold them under guard until they see the law enforcement coming. Which is the National Guard. Yeah. Which I was in the National Guard. We've never responded to cults or anything of that nature. What about with David Koresh? That was FBI. FBI. Um so yeah. So but anyway, so 
So then we watched episode 11 of season 3. The Bells of St. Mary's. We kind of um, just picked something something at random from the middle of the show before it kind of went into decline. Yeah, this was in season 3, episode 11. This So we jumped from 1983 to 1985. Yep. They've gotten their feet under them a little bit. Yeah, this, the acting was a lot better. Yeah, this starts off, the A-team is kind of like... You know, in between jobs, they, like, just hang in communities. So here, they're back at Face's original hometown. Mm -hmm. And he and B.A. are coaching football for his high school. Which I was like, isn't he still on the run? Wouldn't all the sisters of this high school be able to turn him in? Well, apparently he's well-loved. Yeah. So this is St. Mary's um, High School. Mm -hmm. That's that's Well, the name The Bells of St. Mary's is from an old movie. But here right. the bells are a singing group um, kind of connected to a family from this high school. Yes. The quarterback for the football team, this is how the team gets roped in. They notice something's wrong with the quarterback. They follow him and find out that his sister is the lead singer for this singing group called The Bells, which is fairly pretty popular because they've all heard of her. So the singing group is in trouble because they have a, um, uh, they're trying to get away from their former manager. The manager is basically harassing them. and They have a really bad contract where basically the manager gets like 90% of the income. Which I think and is based on the guy from Motown. It could be, yeah. Very and Gordy. Then, and then their contract is up, and he's trying to force them to resign. So they've run back to the one girl's hometown. So the A team gets involved. Um, come to find out, though, this guy is not really in charge. He's funded by a much higher level, like yeah. Las Vegas businessman. Yeah, which is kind of it's kind of clear that this is a mob guy and yes. and you're like why does he care about this little singing group because they're not hugely popular and he's like because i collect things and nobody says no to me yeah so you could kind of see how this could happen um so when we come and we see them they're doing they're playing football mr t this time no feathers um, but he does have a powder blue trucker hat because he's a coach now so yes he's coaching hat. And um, there's this guy, Danny Diamond, is their manager. And I put, looks like a disco version of Colonel Sanders. <laughs> he looks exactly like Colonel Sanders from KFC, but with like a 70s, late 70s, early 80s, like, suit. Well, that was the fake manager. That was Hannibal in disguise. Hannibal was Danny Diamond. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. When he's pretend sorry, I, I misspoke. When he's pretending to be their manager, but that's the costume he puts oh, on. Oh yeah, that's the costume he decides to go with. The women here here's what I found interesting about this episode. We won't go piece by piece with this one because we're running on time, but three women are four four women, I'm sorry. Four women in the saying group. They're all women of color. Mm -hmm. So we have a few women who are African American, a few who might be Hispanic or yeah. might be um multiracial whatever the case may be they never comment on the interracial relationships because face is flirting with them but then so is hannibal yeah. as well each of the ladies kind of has an eye out for yeah. the a-team members but face kind of has two ladies and hannibal says he better practice his juggling yes <laughs> which is such, this is like, this show, if you get into film theory, this is like a very male gaze show. It's a, it's a masculine, a male-driven show. So the mm -hmm. women are only seen through that lens of the guys. Having said that, I thought these are just, they're just, all girls are pretty. 
that's how they're treating it. And it was surprising to me that they were doing that in 1985 because mm-hmm. it wasn't that long before that that we had, like, you know, things about anti-miscegenation laws and stuff like that in terms of what Hollywood could show and what it couldn't. Mm-hmm. So for a TV show, I think that was pretty forward-thinking. Yeah. Not how they treated them as women, but the fact that they that they never comment on the fact that, that um, there's they're people of different races. Right. And I think today they probably would. And, of course, now you have... The A-team is saving them from this controlling, violent manager. Right. You know, his his guys have guns, and, you know, they come to try to intimidate the Bells, but are outmatched by the A-team, who are professionals. And then the mob kind of big head boss guy sends pros, who also are outmatched by the A-team. Yeah, what I liked here is that they, they do this thing where they spray paint on the guy and again you're like this is so cheesy but Hannibal kind of explains this is the plan because he keeps sending these goons he's just going to send his men we want him involved directly Yeah, like we want to get to the big boss and the only way to do that is to make him angry and sure right. enough he's in the car and he's like I'm going to handle this myself right so then they insulted. can catch him in the act yes. and get him arrested as opposed to all of his lower level people that right. they don't. And then we have, of course, I love this in 80s shows when we have like the song break. The the bells are practicing in what look to be very large skirts. Like these mm-hmm. are like short. Well, there's two kinds of skirts. There's like a skirt with shorts underneath. But these are like wide legged shorts. Mm-hmm. And like a jumpsuit, so I and big shoulder pads. I love it. I love the '80s fashion here. Um, but the bells are all practicing, and they're singing right straight into my heart, which is this very bouncy '80s pop song that really it could have been a real song. Right. It really could have been. And I looked up the lead singer because I was like, she's pretty talented. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this, you know, the other girls had only really done this show and maybe one or two others where they're like, you know, woman number four. But Charlotte King was in Mad Men, Deep Space Nine. She was Cisco's wife in Deep so Space Nine. that was all after this. All after yeah. this. She was in Straight Out of Compton. Mm-hmm. She, she's been in a number of things and none of them she sings. So I don't know if this is actually her singing. Right. But in terms of acting, she's kind of acting circles around some of the other people in this. Yeah, she's really, really good. Really good. Um, they're like, she says, this, there's going to be trouble at Mr. Tico's. Troubles provides our main source of employment. <laughs> I love that line. I love that line. And then there's capers. They dress up as mailmen. Save the yeah. day. Hannibal does two disguises this episode. He disguises himself as Danny Diamond. Yeah. And then he disguises himself as a mailman to the same guys that he disguised himself as. And they don't understand that yeah, it's him. It's like Sally Field not knowing that Robin Williams is Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Right? Doubtfire. Right. Um, but what I, one of the things that I liked about this, too, is that the capers are kind of fun. And we haven't mentioned that throughout this entire episode, Murdoch has been um, worshipping Mr. T because he's seen the movie with Ronald Reagan um, where he says, let's do it for the Gipper, that football movie. So he's seen that movie and he thinks that Mr. T is just the greatest football coach ever. So he's been trying to act like Mr. T. Mm Through the whole thing, which is also hilarious. Um, And then we get back to the football at the end after the girls are saved. Hannibal wants to go and date the girls. 
And she's like, we finally found ourselves some real men. Yes. <laughs> and so apparently the A-team's going to take the, the ladies out on a date afterwards. Yes. And, but again, uh, we don't see any of that. No. There's no sex or anything like that. It's just No, like, it's just that they're going to go out with them, right? Yeah. And, um, and then Murdoch gets angry because Mr. T doesn't give a big inspirational speech. Yeah, and he's Instead, like, he maybe just he's stares. not the, the leader I thought he was. Instead, he just stares at the guys menacingly because that's what Mr. T does. So I thought that was kind of funny as well. So that rounded out the two episodes, and then we unfortunately... We watched the A-Team movie from 2010. So here's... What, it, what are your general thoughts about the A-Team well, movie? I mean, the casting was not bad. Liam Neeson, Bradley Cooper, right? You've got you've got a lot of good casting here. Jessica Biel. Jessica Biel is brought in, so there's your girl. Yeah. Right. She's not part of the A team, but she's in a power position with yeah. other spots. I mean, I think they did a fairly good job of modernizing the story. You have it shows them get together. It shows them wrongfully accused of their crime. Yeah. Then break out, and then basically trying to clear their name. And Jessica Biel essentially plays the character of like the um, the person in the military who's trying to put them in prison. Right. So I did like that it it portrayed this story. Um, I thought that that was kind of fun, but much like the original show, uh, for, you know, for me, the long car chases, the long scenes where they're MacGyvering stuff together and putting together like bombs or cars or whatever, mm -hmm. it's a little bit um, dull. It's a little bit dull. I think that Jessica Biel is a good choice for this movie because even on Seventh Heaven, she played kind of this like... She's like a girl next door, kind of has like a sporty kind of vibe to her. She doesn't really in real life, I don't think, play a lot of sports. But she can she can kind of hold her own. I guess that's my point. And yeah, the casting was good. I even liked, I don't know who the guy was who played the part of um, Baracus. I can't remember his name at the moment. Liam Neeson played Hannibal. Bradley Cooper plays Face. I did think the casting was good. It's just that somehow it kind of didn't, all come together for me. I think it was just the editing. And I also think it was cool to see the origin story, but the whole point of the A-Team is that they're together helping people. So we didn't really see that here. Yeah, it's Quentin Jackson that plays Mr. T-Spot. Yeah. And he's mostly known as um, Rampage Jackson. He's an MMA fighter right. who transferred, tried to transfer over to acting. The other thing is that they did change, like they, so they have Baracus, who's the Mr. T character, mm -hmm. they have that he was in a different unit. He's also special forces. They kind of have this whole thing of like how the team comes together. Right. Now, I did like how they broke out of prison. That was fun. Yes. And especially when they went to get Murdoch out of the insane asylum that, yes. had, been, that he had been put in. The psychiatric the asylum. The psychiatric yeah. facility. Um, oh, that was really... Yeah, that was kind of a good time. So, like, eh. I felt like the, it was okay. You know, it's reception uh, on, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 49%. Okay. Out of 208 critics. Yeah, that's about how I feel. Um, I feel Metacritic like gave middle. it a 47 out of 100, which is about the same. Mm-hmm. Entertainment Weekly said it's trash so compacted it glows. I don't, I don't think it's complete trash, but I can see why they canceled the sequel. Um, Time Magazine said the best in a mediocre lineup of summer action flicks. Well, 
Yeah, and probably in 2010, there were a number of action flicks that year, my guess would yes. be. Yes, and Rolling Stone said, Big, loud, ludicrous, and edited into visual incomprehension. That was the biggest <laughs> thing. It was the editing. I, I think that the casting was very good. I think that the story wasn't, the plot line wasn't bad. I kind of enjoyed it. I really do think that it was the editing for me. I prefer George Prepard over Liam Neeson as Hannibal. I did like Bradley Cooper as face. I thought he was great as face. I thought he, he had the right amount of like humor for that part as well. Bradley Cooper sometimes says things with a smirk. He does, yeah. It reminded me of um, early Bradley Cooper Party Down. <laughs> if you've ever seen that show, it only lasted two seasons, and Bradley Cooper was only in one of those two seasons, but <laughs> yeah. Its response was eh, basically. Um, I liked it. I didn't. I mean, if if you're in the mood for an action movie, yeah, I didn't think it was terrible. I think if you liked a team, you'll have that nostalgia to it, which I did. And I thought, like I said, that they did a fairly good job of following that. I could see where Mr. T, given his beliefs, would would be critical of it because it was more violent. There was some more innuendo, sex at least. Um, and it's a remake. And, and to be honest, yeah. I could see Mr. T's a Christian, mm-hmm. and they tried to bring um, Quentin Jackson as B.A. Brackus. There was there was a character arc where they tried to make him more of a pacifist as well. Yeah. But they did it through Eastern religion, like Zen and Dalai yeah. Lama and things like that. And I could see where that would put off Mr. T, who was a Christian. Right. But the, you're right. It could have been a Christian. There was Christian initially Christian. going to be a sequel in the works yeah um they canceled it after they like it had a disappointing reception in the theater although it cost 110 million to make mm-hmm. worldwide it grossed 177 million so it made money which is more than you can say for other films yeah but it didn't make a lot of money and for an action film especially worldwide they typically they look for higher numbers right. because Action films usually do well in the world market because you don't have to have much translation. Yeah. Just say this is a good transition from the reception of that to the reception of the A-Team show. All right. Talk about that for a minute. You mentioned a little bit of it about the seasons. The A-Team debuted in 1983 on NBC. It was ranked 10th. Mm -hmm. Um, It was on a Tuesday time slot, and that was actually the best ranking for NBC show on that Tuesday time slot at the time. Nice. The second season, it was ranked 4. So it jumped even more Mm -hmm. from already a a good slot. It jumped, stayed on Tuesday night, it jumped to fourth. Um, And it was the best NBC show behind Cosby show. So that's huge as well because the top, I know one of the other top shows, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, was um, Dallas. Right. So you're up against some pretty heavy hitters. MacGyver, I think, was in the top, or not MacGyver, Matt. So many shows that start with M. I'm like MacGyver, Matlock. Magnum P.I. Magnum P.I. Yeah. is but the one I'm But were those all NBC of. shows? No, those weren't no, NBC those were shows. shows. I'm right. just saying that that's what the general competition yeah. was in those years. Um, in the third season, it dropped to 13, which still wasn't bad. Still in the top 20. Um, in the fourth season, it dropped to 30th, mm. which was its lowest rating it had had. And so they did decide to try to give it a fifth season. So they moved it from a Tuesday night slot to a Friday night slot for the fifth season. Oh, that's a death slot. And in the fifth season, it dropped tremendously. Um, It dropped like 
like another forty or fifty spots. Yeah. Um, it was just wasn't doing what it you know what it had anymore. And so, as you mentioned, they didn't decide to even. Ex- I think by Super Bowl time, it was pretty much done. Right. So they so decided not to re-sign for another nine episodes, mm-hmm. and they pretty much just canceled it out. So they had probably. Most likely they had 15 instead of like 26 or maybe 13 instead of 24. That's about what those runs are. And that's unusual as well because usually a show will get picked up the first season will be the shortest season and then it'll have standards from from there on out. That's kind of unfortunate. Having said that. I am glad that they were able to have a finale because a lot of times when shows get into that position, they, they just, just never. And yeah. you never find out what happens. Yep. Now, <laughs> so. it was interesting because it's also, as you mentioned, it they had enough episodes for syndication. So they went into syndication right after that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's actually had kind of a cult following in syndication. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And because... it's been syndicated throughout NBC. It's been syndicated throughout the world. Um, Spanish-speaking countries, the UK had a pretty good reception, and so it was picked up in, in quite a few places. And I would imagine, too, that that might be where a lot of the people our age, they probably watched it in syndication. In syndication I mean, if you think about, like, I know that there were boys my age who were into that show and, like, had the, had the van, maybe, mm-hmm. but... A lot of times, I'm thinking they were like 8, 9, 10. They probably were watching it syndicated. I doubt yeah. that they were watching you it know, on Friday that hap- I'm going to say that happens a lot. Like, there was... I mean, and we'll talk about, like, Quantum Leap, which we'll talk oh, about sometime. Right? I love Quantum Leap. I remember watching Quantum Leap somewhat as a kid. Mm-hmm. But where I really made long-lasting memories, I saw it in syndication on the Sci-Fi Network yeah. when I was older and saw all the episodes. They'd run marathons. Yeah, and the A-Team, I feel like, might have been one of those shows that got put on, like, TV Land. Probably, Like yeah. that, or they may have even... I feel like I remember seeing it once or twice... Again, I don't think I watched a full episode, but just seeing it on on Saturday mornings, like mm-hmm. after the standard cartoon block, that they'd show a rerun of the A Team. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I could even have seen it in the. Now, keep in mind, this ends in '85, right? And so you start to have a lot of. At that point, you still didn't have a lot of network television, right? Right. So it was near the end of the '80s, early '90s when your TNT, USA, all those yeah. networks started splitting. And I could see them showing the A-Team in syndication, like, for content and to get viewers. Yeah, that's what I'm talking... Like, yeah, when you had a channel like TV Land, they would pick up one or two shows. They would show them yeah. all the time until they got two or three more shows, and then they'd show those a bunch, and then they'd start mixing it up. TBS is right. a perfect example. Remember when TBS used to show things at 11.05 and 11.35 instead of exactly yeah. 11 and 11.30? So funny. Um, but this is the kind of show that would have been on there. So having said that, that's what the critics thought. What do we think? Steve Hall, does it hold up? How many Mohawks out of 10 are we going to give the A-Team original series? Yeah, we're not, not counting the, the movie. We, the move, we, we talked about the movie already. So the A-Team original series... I think it holds up. I think there's a lot of dated pieces to it because it was 83 to 87. Yeah. Right? Um, and you mentioned there's a few different cultural things that don't hold up as much anymore. But I think it was a decent action show. I think it was family friendly. Like, I would, if I had a kid who was maybe 
eight, nine, ten, I would watch it with them. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't sex in it, really. There wasn't any actual violence. Um, and if, if you have, a, especially little boys that are interested in Army and stuff like that, I could see that being a family-friendly show. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so with that all being said, I would give it a six out of ten. Yeah, I'm kind of close to where you are. I just feel like uh, the depiction of women is really troubling to me. And the way that it's edited as well. The editing's a little slow, kind of, you know, that's how those 80s shows were. I think if you redid this show and you had it be, um, like, not the reboot movie, but I'm saying if they brought it back as a show with a, a cast that was both men and women, I think it could be really cool. But for me, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm at like a five, I okay. guess. So... Five and a half mohawks for the A team. And two out of, oh, five and a half out of ten for the show. Two out of five mohawks for the the Cadbury eggs. eggs. But hey, listen. Five out of five for the caramel ones. The chocolate, the chocolate. and caramel, we we have our endorsement. Um, <laughs> but the original with the fondant, mm, mm. no. Now I know what those judges think on those um, shows where they're always like, why'd you use so much fondant on the yes. cooking shows? Now I know how they feel. Mouthful of fondant is not that fun. But, um, you know, kind of a middle score for the A-team. In some ways it holds up, in other ways it doesn't, but you can always have fun watching it, and I'm going to link those on our blog. Watch with us at StopRuiningMyChildhood.com. And next week, our fan request is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The good one the from good the one. 70s. And I... I might take one for the team and watch the the other one that Tim Burton did. You'll be so alive. But I'm going to be doing that by myself. So that's it for us this week. Join us next week for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.